Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is sponsored and dedicated in loving memory of Bella Hassan, Aleha Shalom Lilunishpat Yakuta Bat Rachna, sponsored by her sons Alan and Ronald Hassan. As well, Breakfast in the Class is sponsored and dedicated in thanking you, Rabbi Fari, and all the Safra rabbis and educators for your words of Torah, Chazak, sponsored anonymously. Uh, also dedicated in celebration of the upcoming wedding this week of Dina Batlea and Aharon Ben Ela, sponsored by Eileen Gwenun, Mazaltov, uh, as well dedicated in loving memory and Lilunish Matem of David Kraushar and uh, uh, Michael Rosenfeld, sponsored uh, anonymously, Ruach uh, Began Eden. In loving memory of Mrs. Lily Safra, Lea Shalom, Lilunishmat Lea. But Dov Hakohen Vechana, whose philanthropy has reached so many throughout the world, Stanish Batat Surabatura Haim. And finally, the week of Cobra was sponsored by David Yash in honor of you and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. My friends, the Pasuk in this week's parasha, which stands out in many ways as a powerful line, uh, is Ve'ata Yisrael. And now, O Israel, Ma Hashem Elokecha Shoel Meimach. What is God asking of you? Kiim Lirea et Hashem Elokecha. He's asking you only to fear Him, to be in awe of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Lalechet b'chol derachav to follow in all of His ways. Ulaahavaoto and to love Him. Vilaavod et Hashem Elokecha b'chol vavachav b'chol nafshachan to serve God. With all of your heart and with all of your soul, lishmor et mitzvat Adonai to guard Hashem's mitzvot, v'etchukotav and his uh, his statutes. Asher anochim mitzavecha yom letov lach that I'm commanding you today in order for it to be good for you. Now, what's interesting is, don't answer Amen if you're listening to this recording. Everyone in this room could answer Amen. Baruch atah Adonai l'nechalam she'akol yavaro. What's interesting about this is the Pasuk makes it sound as if there's really only one thing that God was asking for. Ma Hashem Shoel Mimrach. What is God asking you for? Ki'im. Only X. Not only everything, but if you look actually, it says God only asks you to have Yirat Shamaim. Usually Yirat Shamaim is translated as fear of heaven. But the word yir'ah doesn't mean fear. And the proof is that we say when it comes to a person's parents that a person has to have uh, uh, kavod, avaim, and also mora, right? And also a person also has to have the same word, fear. What is fearing his parents? Our rabbis, when they explain the concept of fear, they say it means you don't sit in his place. It means you stand up when he comes into the room. It means, uh, what's it called? You don't... Call him by his first name. It means you don't argue with him. Those are all things which show reverence, which show awe. It doesn't say, you should fear your parents, go hide in the corner. It doesn't say that, right? So the concept of yir'ah, with regards to the way we're describing fear, is actually a mistranslation. That's not what yir'at shamayi means. That might be what yir'at ha'onesh means. Fear of the punishment if I get something wrong. But the yir'ah that a person is meant to feel of haromemut, 
of the greatness of God, that's the higher level of Yirat Hashem, where a person feels like I have a connection with the great and almighty God. And if I don't do the right thing, then I sever that connection. My friends, so the Gemara asks on this exact pasuk, and now, O Israel, what is Hashem asking of you? Ki imlia only to fear. And then it follows with a whole laundry list. By the way, you know what's included in the laundry list of things? Love, right? Loving God. Following in all of His ways. Serving Hashem elokecha. Bechol bechol nafshecha. Now some of you might remember those two words. Bechol bechol nafshecha. When do we say them? In Shema. We actually read that in last week's parasha. Okay? And you should love Hashem elokecha. So, means with both of your yetzahara. You know what means? Even if it costs you your life to stick and to cling to your religion, someone asks you to convert or die, to worship another god or die, you have to give up your life. So, Hashem is only asking, and then we throw in here, it's everything. Lishmort mitzvot Hashem. To guard all mitzvot Hashem. How many mitzvot does God have? 613 from the Torah. How many more? Midrabanan. Betchu kotav. And all of his statutes. So what does this, what does this mean? The Gemara asks, Vechimilta zutretai. Is this something small? Only to fear God? Only to follow in His ways? Only? Is that small? It's asking for you to live a perfect life. I mean, come on. Does anyone know what that means? To go in all the ways of God. What are all the ways of God? What does that mean? We have another derasha on those words. What do we find specifically about this? We find the Torah, the Pasuk says, Achare Hashem Elokechem Telechu. Another Pasuk. Vehalachta Bidirachav. Go in his ways. What do we say about walking after God? What do we say going in his ways means? You know what it means? The Gemara tells us. It means, Maurachum, just like God is merciful, Afatahirachum, you too. Maurachanun, just like God is compassionate. You also have to be compassionate. Whatever God is, you have to be. <laughs> Just like God has mercy on all of the world, you have to have mercy on all the world. Just like God feeds everybody, you have to feed everybody. Whatever God does, you have to do. That's what we learn from the words, you go in His ways. So the pasuk here says, I'm only asking you one thing, Israel. What am I asking already? To emulate all of God's ways. So literally, it's like, what am I asking you? I'm only asking you to be perfect. I just want you to be, not human, I want you to be a God, just like me. Is this a small thing? Is it small? You know what always annoys me? You know when people ask you for something, and before they ask you for something, they throw in one word. It's so annoying. And the word is just. I had a rabbi who was doing a wedding. And the rabbi calls me up and he says, Rabbi, 
could you just take me through the whole wedding, the way Seferadim do, and show me all the halachot of the Seferadim and all the minhagim, and show me the ketubah. And I was like, just, could I just do that? Why are you minimizing what you're asking me? It's not just, it's a big deal. You want to ask me for something big? Tell me, Rabbi, I have a huge favor to ask of you. It's going to take you probably two and a half hours, and I'm going to call you ten times between now and the wedding. Ask me like that. I might say yes, I might say no. But just? Yeah? You hear me? Could you, Rabbi, my son is becoming bar mitzvah. Could you just prepare him for the bar mitzvah? Oh, could I just do that? And just write the speech and just... You understand? It's, it's, it's not just annoying, it's insulting. When you ask your wife, could you just? Or when you tell your husband, could you just? Or when a child tells a parent, you know, could you just do this for me? It's, it's not correct. So why is God doing that? What am I? I'm not asking you for much. I'm asking you for everything. Is it just, is it small? Ask the Gemara. And the Gemara answers something very interesting. In, yes, small. Legabe Moshe milta zutrita hi. For Moshe, it wasn't that big of a deal. Why? Biggest anav that ever lived. Biggest prophet that ever lived. Sadiq Yisod Olam. One of the, uh, you know, the Merkava for the Shekhinah. Like, you know, this is who Moshe Rabbeinu is. So for Moshe Rabbeinu, it came easy. You know, so to speak. The Gemara seems to say that for Moshe Rabbeinu, this was something small. And that's why he said, you know, guys, why don't you just, like, imagine... Michael Jordan steps on the court. He goes, guys, you know, just do the layup. Just dunk like this. Just hit threes like that. Just guard defense. Like, just win six championships. That's what you should just do. Okay? So for Moshe Rabbeinu, Lehavdil Elif Alfei Havdalot to Michael Jordan. Okay? For Moshe, it was something small. But all the commentators ask the same question. The Gemara's answer is not satisfying. Because Moshe is saying... And you, O Israel, what does God ask of you? And Gemara says, is that small? Yes, for Moshe it was small. But didn't Moshe understand that he was speaking not to himself? It doesn't say, Moshe, and you, excuse me, and now, Moshe, what is Hashem asking of you? It says, Yisrael. He's speaking to the Jews. He's speaking to Sami Sain. He's speaking to Simon Simantov. Speaking to Avi. How do you pronounce his last name, Sammy? Oyster. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> Oster. My friends. He wasn't speaking to Moshe himself. He was speaking to Jews, all Jews, all future Jews. How could Moshe ask of us everything and say just? And you know what the answer is? The answer is, Ve'ata Yisrael. That's exactly the point. 
Moshe says to the Jewish people, to every Jew that will ever listen, Yisrael. When did we get the name Yisrael? When Yaakov Avinu, by the way, who's a giant, Yaakov is huge. He's the biggest of the Avot. Bechir Ha'avot he's called. He's the Chuta Mishulash But Yaakov achieves a new name, a new self, in the moment he fights with the Malach. He becomes, no more shall you be called Yisrael. Your name is not Yaakov anymore. Ki'im Yisrael. Now your name is Yisrael. Why? Kisarita. Because you fought with men and with God and you have overcome. My friends, the term Yisrael means a fighter. It means a person who doesn't give up. Because if you look at the battle between Yaakov and the angel, there's no way you could ever say that Yaakov Avinu won that fight. Yaakov did not win that fight. Yaakov, if anything, lost the fight. He doesn't injure the angel, and the angel injures him. So neither one of them falls, neither one of them gives up, but one of them has an injury. Who? Yaakov. So by what metric did Yaakov win? The answer is, in Judaism, winning is not winning. Winning is not giving up. Winning is maintaining the name fighter. I'm still in the fight. If you're still in the fight, you won. That's Israel. So Moshe Rabbeinu turns to every Jew and says, wherever you are on the ladder of perfection, and there's people on rung number one, and there's people on rung number 500. Wherever you are on the land, on the ladder of perfection, you're still in the fight. And now, how do I describe you in this very moment? Yisrael. You're Yisrael if you're on 499. And you know what? You're Yisrael if you're on one. You ever see a boxing match where a guy gets hit? Boom, in the head, and he's like this for a second. And he stumbles, he falls against the ropes. You think the fight's over. But you know what happens? He manages to cover up. He gets the bell. He lives to fight another round. And, and many times the fighter that was hit that way, that was knocked down once, bounces off the ropes and wins the fight in the end. My friends, and now, wherever you are today, on this day, August 18th, at whatever time you're listening to this, you are still in the fight. And you can still be perfect. And you can still become great. So Moshe Rabbeinu, who knows the soul of every Jew, because as the Kabbalah teaches us, Moshe had in his neshama a spark of every Jew that will ever live. Moshe in, says the Gemara. Legabe Moshe, with regards to Moshe, Moshe could say to every Jew, you're still in the game to be godlike, to follow in all of Hashem's ways, to risk your life for your religion, to be kind 
to be compassionate, to be devout, to pray, to learn, to grow. It's all there for you. And you don't realize how powerful you are. You don't realize that you're a fighter because you feel like you're a victim. But if you did not give up, and if you're still doing something, then you're still in the fight. A guy came to me once and he's like, Rabbi, there's all these people in the shul, they're talking. Obviously, I'm not talking in our synagogue. That would never happen here. No one would ever talk here. It was in another synagogue. Guy comes up to me, says, I can't believe it. Why these guys, these, yeah, da, 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 they're talking, da, da, what'd they do? They didn't come to pray, they should stay home, ba, 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 ba. I said, Rohi, they're here? Is that not something? Where would you rather? They slept through the whole thing? They stayed home? They're here. They're here. Maybe they'll listen in the speech and they'll learn something and they'll grow. Maybe there'll be 10 seconds of tefillah that they focused. The whole world would be worth creating for those 10 seconds. That's what Chazal teaches us. If the guy had 10 seconds of kavanah, worth it. The whole world would have been worth creating for those 10 seconds. That's how powerful tefillah is. So my friends, why don't we feel like this is easy? Why do we feel like Hashem's telling us, just do this, but it's really huge. Because we don't understand the power that we possess. And only Moshe Rabbeinu, or God, could tell us, you don't know you. You've got you wrong. <clears throat> so I want to share with you a magnificent story that I heard this week from a, a wonderful man. There's a fellow who gets up at a kiddush, on Shabbat morning, and he picks up a kibbeh. For those of you who don't know what a kibbeh is, I'm sorry. <laughs> a kibbeh is a torpedo-looking item that is stuffed uh, with uh, ground beef. Other people call it heaven, but I will call it for the sake of this story, kibbeh. This man in the minyan, he picks up a kibbeh. And he says, because of this, my life was saved. Kibbeh saved my life. Now, I have a very strong relationship with Kibbeh Lahmajin. We're on first name basis. We are very fond of as many Kibbehs and Lahmajins as I could get my hands on. But no Kibbeh ever saved my life. So the man says, he says, a Kibbeh saved my life. Let me tell you about the power of a Kibbeh. He says, I grew up, I wasn't religious. I wasn't connected at all. I really didn't, nothing really connect, nothing bothered me about my Judaism. And you know what, I'm, he said, I'm not ashamed to say back in the day, I was, I, my business was open, I was working even on Shabbat. Anyway, one day, a fellow comes up to me and he says, listen, I'm having mazah at my house, Shabbat afternoon after prayers, Come to my house, some kibbeh, a little whiskey, we'll have a l'chaim. Come enjoy. The guy says, well, I'm going to work. What time are you going to work? He says, I'm going 12. He says, okay, come 11. We'll be finished prayers early. Come 11, we'll have a kibbeh, a whiskey. Anyway, the guy comes 11. He has a kibbeh, delicious. 
He has a mahshi, uh, sorry, a, a tahina, he dips it in. He has a, a whiskey, feels great. It's 12 o'clock, the host tells the guy, he says, okay, Shabbat Shalom, you got to go now, go to work. Guy goes to work 12 o'clock. Next week, he calls him up, he says, you had enjoyed the kippah last week? Yeah. He goes, come again. This week, he comes, comes what's it called, 11 o'clock, he has two kibbehs. And he has a whiskey and a half, you understand? And then he has a lahmajin. He goes, he goes, oh, I got to go now. He goes, it's one o'clock now, but he stayed till one. The third week, he has three kibbehs, four lahmajins, a partridge, a pear tree, a whiskey, a cognac, a tequila, I don't know what he has, okay? He sits there after three weeks. He looks around at his friend and the people sitting there. And he says, this is what Shabbat is, relaxing, enjoying, spending the day with family, with friends, you know, and s- slowing down the pace of life. He says, I, am not, I ain't never going to work again. And from that, I started going to shul. And from that, I started learning. And from that, I built my family into Shomre Torah Mitzvot. His children, his grandchildren, keep Shabbat, go to shul, they study Torah, they do mitzvot, they give tzedakah. Why? Because one guy said to him, come over for a kibbeh. That's the power of a kibbeh. If that's the power of a kibbeh, what is the power of a human being? Moshe says to the Jewish people, Ve'ata Yisrael, I'm not going to shortchange you and ask you for less than you're capable of, because you're capable of much more. Patrick Mahomes is probably the most gifted NFL quarterback I've ever seen in my life. I don't know if he'll win as many as Brady. I don't know if he's as disciplined, as a great, has as great an understanding of the game. I don't know. Only time will tell if the guy you know, will transcend one of the game's best. But you know what makes Mahomes so good? What makes Mahomes so good is he's impossible to defend. He could throw from in the pocket, from around the pocket, from behind the pocket. He could throw with his right hand. I don't know if you saw recently there was a video. With his left hand from 20 yards out, he throws a football and he hits exactly the crossbar. So you know where you kick it through? He hits the crossbar where the crossbar meets the pole. So is a spot. How big is it? It's this big. From 20 yards away with his other hand. He hits the crossbar behind his back pass. Could you imagine Mahomes had a coach? And the only thing Mahomes was taught as a co- from his coach is how to throw, like most quarterbacks, in the pocket. And when you scramble, game over. Like most quarterbacks. They're not good on the scramble. Obviously, there's some people that are. But could you imagine if the coach would have done that, taught him how to be amazing at this one thing, what, what a crime that would have been to this protege. Because he would have not brought out from this man, from Patrick Mahomes, the capability, the ability to be able to possibly become the best quarterback the NFL has ever or will ever see. To watch the guy scramble 497 yards, you know, and still hit people in impossible passes while he's on the run is, uh, is something to, to see. But my friends, Patrick Mahomes is you and it's me. There's elements of our perfection that are hiding 
not behind difficult to open doors, but behind doors that we never bothered trying. You know, there's a lot of cars being stolen in deal right now. And they keep posting things, they keep telling people, make sure you lock your cars. You know why? Because today, the robbers, they don't even need to check if you opened or you locked your cars. You know why? Because all the modern, the fancy cars, when you lock your cars, what happens to the mirrors? They close up, right? So all the guy needs to do is drive by, he sees a Mercedes, he sees a BMW, a Bentley, a Ferrari, or whatever, and the mirrors are out, what does he know? Cars open. He doesn't even need to try the doors. My friends, there's many doors for us that are open, and we never tried them. And the door's not showing signs of being closed either, but you never tried. Someone tells me, Rabbi, I admire these people. They, you know, donate time for tzedakah. Wow, it's so special. I mean, I write a check, but to give, to spend time cooking dinner for a family. I was like, have you ever done it? He says, no. I said, why wouldn't you try? You're looking at it. You're admiring it. You know, the, the mirrors are out. You can see, the guy's telling you where to go, how to sign up, where to send it. He's going to pick up the meal from your house. You know, all systems go. The signs are there telling you the door's open. But you just walk on. You don't even try the door. You don't even try the door. A fellow told, tells me, I hate Gemara. I said, really? When was the last time you learned Gemara? He says, ah, elementary school. I said, you hate Gemara or you hate your sixth grade Gemara teacher in a room full of kids that have no interest in learning Gemara? When you're only a juvenile brain and you don't even understand the back and forth of the Gemara. Like, is that what you hate? Or you hate the Gemara? When was the last Try one. I had a fellow, I argued and argued and argued and argued with him about learning Gemara. Until what happened? He tried it. You know what happened? Now he learns Gemara every morning. The Pasuk says, Ta'amu ure'u ki tov Hashem. Taste and you'll see that God is good. Some things... We could talk until we're blue in the face about how delicious it is. Until you taste it, you're not going to know. So be adventurous. When I go to a restaurant, I don't try what I always try. I ask the waiter, what's the best thing on the menu? What's the can't-miss items here? You could ask a waiter. Don't ask the owner of the restaurant. He's going to make sure to give you the leftover stuff, the stuff he can't sell. But the waiter that doesn't care about the bottom line of the restaurant... Yes, what's the best item on the menu? Be it, you're adventurous with your palate. You find all new things to enjoy. Be adventurous with your spiritual palate and believe that you have no idea the consequences of your actions. Believe that you are powerful beyond measure, that you can achieve great things. And you know what will happen? You will. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen.